Welcome to Community Baptist Church Podcast. In just a few moments, you will hear from Pastor Chris Davis. So grab your Bible as we prepare our hearts for today's word. For additional podcast, visit us online at www.communitybaptistchurch.online backslash podcast. Last week, we talked about heaven and earth. And we talked about part one. If you've ever known, uh, you know, obviously when you're doing something like today, a communion or uh, with, with what, we're, what we're doing, uh, you try to have a service that goes along with it. But I don't try to force anything if it doesn't. It's been pretty neat as I've looked through these, uh, these, these series that I've done, how God over and over has actually made it where uh, it fits. And so uh, today, we're actually going to finish up next week on the new heaven and new earth, and we're going to talk about the river of life, the street of gold. Often people say streets is plural, but in heaven, there's, it only references one street. But last week, we talked about part one and what heaven is going to be like. And I, and I said that as we've talked about this, we're in a timeline right now that uh, a lot of people are, were not aware of, of the timeline that we're in. We know that there is an Old Testament, and then we're in, the, we're in the, uh, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we are now in the church age. Since Acts chapter 2, we are living in the church age for some 2,000 years right now, and we know that everything is in place for Jesus Christ to return to get his saints. It's called the rapture. Now, now, the word rapture, we know that is never used in the actual scriptures at all. It's caught up, right, in Thessalonians. And then, right after that, we went through the seven-year tribulation and what that represented. And we talked about um, the, 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 uh, the, the seven years and each of the three judgments. And then uh, we talked about the return of Jesus Christ, how he's actually, his feet are going to land on the Mount of Olives. And then we talked about Armageddon and then the millennial, the thousand-year reign and what we're going to play a part in in that and after the thousand year reign I do believe that that's when um, the heaven and earth will all be destroyed there will be nothing then the great white throne judgment we talked about what that judgment is remember that is only for unbelievers believers will be there to watch and then we we uh, are here at the new heaven and the new earth the eternal state and what that looks like revelation 21 and 22 and then we have covered just about just about the whole book of the Revelation. And so, um, if you remember, just in review, if you weren't here last week, you can always, we have podcasts now on our website. So some of you that like to listen to, at work, you don't want to listen on YouTube, that you can, you know, kind of silence your phone. You know how podcasts work, and you can listen. And so we put all these sermons, and it's just the sermons on uh, podcasts at communitybaptistchurch.online. So last week we talked about some misconceptions about heaven. We, we said that some people believe that when they die, they come back as an angel or their angel now. I mean, we've heard it at funerals. God's got his angel. Well, I, and sometimes people just interpret that as, oh, well, you know, they're very sweet or very loving. But the truth is, is we are not the same as angels. Angels were not made into the image of God. We don't come back with wings and all of this. That we are created in the image of God. Okay, we are actually, we will judge the angels one day. We will be in a different position than the angels. We are not angels. We don't come back as angels. Not after that, that believers will receive their new bodies after they immediately die. So we know that there is a, that we will go to heaven, but the heaven that I'm talking about right now, the new Jerusalem, is not the heaven that, is, that we're going to enter into if you were to die today. 
And so we know that this is the, the heaven that I'm talking about today is not until later on, the eternal state. So some people say, well, I'll receive my glorified bodies. Let me tell you, this is not until the rapture of the church you will receive your glorified bodies. I don't know what that body will look like if you receive a body, um, what that looks like. And I talked about all of that. You can listen to that last week. Um, and then also, no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. But that's not actually true either because... That's not until the eternal state. We didn't see that until all of this is done and New Jerusalem comes down. Then it says, then God shall wipe away all the tears and there will be no more pain. But there is still a remembrance. We see that in Rich Man and Lazarus. We, we see that with the martyred saints. There was still a remembrance of what happened on earth. And so eventually all of that will be wiped away. All right, and so then I talked about this last week, and, and I said there were three heavens the Bible talks about. The first heaven is your blue sky heaven, okay? The second heaven is your black sky heaven, and your third one is the dwelling place of God. This is where we believe the Bible teaches that if you were to die right now, you, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you will go to this third heaven, and you will dwell there until the millennial reign of Christ, okay? And so there's three heavens. So you got to read it the way the Bible teaches it, not just when you hear the word heaven, don't automatically assume, oh, that's the dwelling place of God. And so this is how I kind of explained it last week the key, key, uh, to make sure everybody's on the same page. I said heaven and earth today is kind of like traveling if I wanted to go to California. And I, I mentioned this, if I'm in Greensboro that if I was to die, so to speak, and I wanted to go to California, but let's just say I had some friends that I wanted to stop off and see in Dallas, Texas, and then after that, I would end up in Sacramento, California. Well, this is kind of the same way. In the fact that here, Greensboro will be Earth. Next, Dallas will kind of be heaven, the third heaven that I talked about. Sacramento, California will be the final New Jerusalem that we're going to talk about today. So you kind of just don't assume, oh, well, once I go to heaven, that's kind of it. That's it. No, there's actually, there's actually a transition period is what the Bible teaches. And, and I have made that very clear, and I'll continue to make that clear. So let's look at Revelation chapter 21. That's what I talked about last week. Obviously, I got into a whole lot more detail than that. And so, in Revelation chapter 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and heaven had passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And we said that God is going to destroy the oceans. All right? And so some people are like, you know, what does that look like? Well, how some people have tried to explain this away, the word sea there means evil. All right? And they said, okay, sea and evil because the beast rose up from the sea that means there's going to be no more sin there's going to be no evil we'll still have oceans we just won't have no more evil but i want to go ahead and tell you you can't just read a commentary and say oh this person believed this this must be right you better dig for yourself because the word sea means ocean you can't explain this away i don't care how many times you try the, the bible says that the seas will be no more now we do see a fresh uh, fresh water that will be in heaven, but I'll show that next week. 
And I saw out of the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so this is where we really spent our time last time. We talked about this New Jerusalem, and I said it's 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500. I said this is an enormous, and then I started giving some crazy figures about if everybody lived per floor and it was stacked on top of one another's we're dealing with 162 trillion mansions at 250,000 square feet I don't know how big your home is but I doubt anybody in here has a 250,000 square feet house but if this whole mansion was filled with mansion I mean this whole Jerusalem was filled with mansions it would be 162 trillion and I finished with this but there's only ever been 117 billion people ever born so do I think this whole place is going to be filled with mansions? No, and I'm going to prove that next week. So we said, not only this, the location, the Bible says that it comes out of, down out of heaven. Now here's where that I will be the same with some people and I will differ with some people. So as I just read in Revelation chapter 21, this new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven. Now this is where people say, since John didn't say it landed on earth therefore it must never land on earth so what they do they kind of do pictures and they teach that you can live on earth and then you'll teleport to new jerusalem and this is where generally they'll put uh wings on on these christians and they'll teleport back and forth from their mansion to earth mansion to earth but i think just because john didn't say it will land but i i personally believe it will actually land on earth now here's the thing i have no idea how big earth is going to be it's possible it could be the same size as our current earth or it could be bigger it could be smaller so i've got some illustrations here that i want to show you in just a second but using the same dimensions as our current earth the bible also says that it's going to have walls it's going to have walls the walls are 72 yards tall, and I'm going to describe what's on their walls today. So you got to remember this majestic city, this clear crystal, like a, a pure gold, this uh, is really jasper, and it's going to come down, and it's going to be so bright, and it's going to be shiny, and it's going to be gleaming. 72 yards walls, 1,500 miles in diameter. The question that I have is, why would a city that has no evil need walls? That's my question. Why would it need walls? Has anybody ever wondered that question before? Why would a new Jerusalem that's never, that has no evil present in this society and never will again, why would it need walls? Truth is, is nobody really knows the answer to that question. I start digging. I, I kind of I look under the best guys that I know. Okay, these guys are expository teachers, preachers. They will surely break this down. Nobody. Generally, if nobody answers the question, it's generally because there is no answer. But only one or two answers. Guys made some speculations about why. There's really no answer. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it just communicates this to us that for eternity we will live in a protected environment maybe that's what it is but here's the thing when we talk about the pearls 
the gate, this one pearl, there's 12 gates, they will be eternally, completely open, but yet guarded by an angel. So here's the thing is I don't know why that, that there's a wall, but we're going to look at the wall today. So if you ask me that question, I, I, there's your answer. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. But I, I, I found an illustration that I thought would help you when I finished. I'm talk, done talking about Jerusalem as far as its size. Our current earth, if this was the, um, the dimensions of our current earth, and if the new earth are the same dimensions, I wanted you to see exactly how tall this new Jerusalem is going to be, how enormous it is. Actually, from point to point, it's, it's, it's 2,100 miles from point to point. We're talking about an enormous structure at this point. And so I believe that it will actually land on earth. The Bible said it had this great high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels, and the names that were written on the gates are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we have a 72 yard, uh, yards in height in walls, and it will look something like this. This will be a comparison of artist uh, rendition. And so we know that there is some type of angel, this, this standing guard, Beside each of these openings, can you imagine what a gate would look like? It's not pearly gates where there's a bunch of pearls on a gate. It is a gate that is a pearl. And there are 12 of them that surround this city. How many times you heard the joke start out, oh, St. Peter was sitting at the pearly gate? How many times you heard that? Well, where do we get pearly gates from, you know? Well, it would come from this passage, but all of a sudden, what do you picture? You picture some wrought iron gate, and it's got some pearls going down it, right, that open up. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that we're going to see a gate that's made of one entire pearl. And there's three on the east, and three on the west, and three on the south, and three on the north. And it's square. And the Bible says in the three gates... On the east, the three gates on the north, the three gates on the south in verse 13, and three gates on the west. And so this is going to make a, what, three times four is? Twelve. So we're going to have twelve different gates, four different sides. We're going to have twelve different angels. We're going to have twelve different pearls. Twelve different openings that you and I will be able to go into. And so here's the question is, why have a wall if you have an open gate concept? I don't know. But this is the way that God has designed it. And he says this, And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones. And on them were twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The very first thing that we see on the foundation of all the twelve apostles. Now, would Judas be included in these names? No. See, there was really 13, right? But Judas, he was evil, was found in his heart. We know that he turned his back on Christ. So who was the 13th disciple? Matthias. So their names are going to be written forever because of the backbone of the start of the local church. 
and what they played in the part of giving up everything and following after him, God is going to honor them for the rest of eternity. Verse 15 says, or 18, the material of the wall was like jasper and the city was like pure gold and clear glass. So as we look at the foundational stones here, the Bible says that the city was like pure gold. Jasper is, can be a reddish tint. And people are struggling with the find of, you know, the Bible talks about the city will look like jasper. Well, jasper in the purest form is clear, but not only this, gold. The reason we have yellow gold is because the yellow is impurities within that metal. If you were to have 100% pure gold, it would be clear. There's no such thing. We, we've never even experienced anything like that. But there's zero impurities in these metals. And he said it was like glass. And he says in verse 19, the foundation of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And this is where I'm going to close out today. This is how I want to end everything today. I want to talk about, the Bible says that not only are the apostles' names written around the base of the stone, it says the 12 tribes of Israel also are written on these foundations. When God chose the nation of Israel, he did it not for just a short time, but he did it for all of eternity. And this is why you and I, as Americans, as Christians, should always, always, always Stand with Israel. Because God for eternity stands with them. That is his children. And so as we look at this foundation and we look at the different stones, these precious stones, can you imagine how big of a foundation that we're talking? Can you imagine how big of a single pearl gate that this is going to be? Can you imagine the beauty and the awe as you walk around and you see the value of the stones and what this is going to look like? So what I begin to do is everything has meanings. There's all the numbers in the Bible have a meaning. I just talked about, um, we talked about uh, Goliath in uh, the life of David. But I said that at the end of David's life, they kill four more giants. And all four of those giants were who? David's brothers. The, the, word, the number five represents grace, but also for the four brothers of, of, of Goliath. And also Goliath. Maybe that's why David grabbed five stones. All the numbers in the scriptures mean something. But So what do the stones mean? And that's where I kind of just went with this this week. How does all of this tie in to communion today? How does it all tie in? Because every one of these stones represents the Christian life. And this is what I want you to see. So... Does God have a purpose in all of this? You better believe it. So we look at the foundation, and it was decorated with every kind of precious stone. Jasper. I apologize for those who are rock experts in here, and if I murder any of these words, I apologize. Geologist, I don't know of any geologist in here, but. But as we look at these stones, you're going to be like, wow, everything 
had a purpose. The sapphire, the caldonacy, it starts, sounds like with a K. The fourth is an emerald. Sardonyx and sardis and chrysolite and beryl and topaz and chrysoprase and jasoneth and amethyst. Let's look and see what each of these represents because every one of these stones represents some type of fruit that as believers is found in our life. The very first one is faith. The very first stone that we see and the enormity of this stone, I haven't done the math, believe it or not, on this and think, okay, if it was 1,500 miles, there was 12 of them. You know, you kind of, you can do that math to figure out the base and the percentage of what this foundation will look like. How big a stone would have to be. Let's just say there's billions of people that are going in and out of this city every single day. How large these, these doors must be. How large these foundations must be to support something that's 1,500 miles high. Jasper represents faith. I thought this was a perfect one to start with. No building can be firm unless on the right foundation. If I was to ask you why is it that you're going to heaven... You only have one answer. It's because your faith in Christ. That's it. Faith in Christ and him alone. If you say, I've given enough money, I've done this, I've done this work, I showed up for church today, God's got to give me a check mark. I hear that kind of stuff. I mean, he's got, that's got to account for something, right? Wrong. Anytime you try to put any of your works in with salvation, it's none and void void it's done your faith in his work alone is why you will enter this city one day what we're remembering is what he did on the cross and we're putting our faith and trust in that we're receiving that gift today we're acknowledging that we have received it that we are followers i don't want to forget this God, all I had to do was put my faith in you and you alone. And Jasper is the very first foundation to this. I wish it would say it may. Faith. Faith is essential to the Christian life, is it not? Faith in the Word of God. Faith in God alone. In Jesus Christ, His Son. Faith leads to obedience the biblical example that I see here is Abraham, where he just believed God, and the Bible says, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The second stone in his foundation is sapphire. So as we look at these stones, all of a sudden you're like, okay, number one, if we don't see number one and a person claims Jesus Christ as our Savior, all of a sudden, we know we don't, we're not dealing with somebody who truly is a believer. But this, the next thing is integrity or uprightness. This is somebody who will stand and fight against the temptations or threats of the world, upright in heart. You know who I think about is Daniel. Daniel, how many times did he have to stand up 
for what is right. Remember, Daniel prayed. How about Daniel and his friends as they are cast into that fiery furnace? That no matter what, I was not going to turn my back on God. In fact, we were looking at David on Wednesday night, and I said the reason, the final, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, the reason that we see that David was a follower of him because David never walked away. David turned his back, or he lost fellowship, but David never left God. And so sapphire represents integrity, not leaving. But the third stone Chalcedony, or Chalcedoni, means love. That's what this stone represents. It's a gray, blue, reddish in color. Sometimes they're semi-transparent with white lines in between. It also symbolizes innocence. Sacrificial love. Somebody that's able to sacrifice themselves because a sacrificial love has been made for them. Do you know why we remember what we do today? For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. We love him because why? He first loved us. He loved us before he, we knew him, before the foundation of the world. Our names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. That's love. Some of you and I are in here, are struggling with certain people in here or outside. And we're like, I'm just struggling to love this person. And Christ looked ahead in time and he knew all of our failures. He knew all of our, our, where we were going to fall flat on our face. And he knew all of our sins and everything we were going to do. And he died anyway. And therefore, he also wants us to show this same sacrificial love. And Wednesday night, I said this, and, and you look at John's life, he says, those who know God also know love. And if you see a person that don't, does not reveal love, then they don't know God. So faith, integrity, sacrificial love, and not only emerald, is a representation of righteousness. Righteousness, cleanliness. Esther's a good example of this. You know, the only way that you'll ever stand right before God is based upon His Son. One of the hardest things, but one of my favorite stories in Revelation is when the martyred saints are screaming, going, why don't you avenge our death? And He robes them in the righteousness of Christ. This is how you must appear before God is not based upon anything that you've ever done, but only on the righteousness of His Son. Because you and I have no righteousness. Sardonics. It represents faithfulness. Somebody who gives their heart, their mind, their soul, their life to a faith that they say they believe in. In work, in church, and also in their family. I believe Moses was an example of this. Of being faithful to God in the midst of trying times. 
I often wonder what happens to people. Why do they just walk away? Why do they walk away from their families? Why do they walk away from from a work that they said they love? Why do they walk away from churches that they they were invested in? Why do they walk away? And there's a bunch of different reasons. But here's the main question I have. Why do people just walk away from God? Faithfulness to the end is very important. And the Bible mentions four or five different times. He talks about those that endure to the end shall be saved. And that one particular verse, verse is talking about the millennial reign of Christ. But Corinthians talks about it in the, in the church age. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. He's talking about a faithfulness. Yes, you and I are going to fall on a daily basis. And a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Sardis is a devotion or a love. It's dark reddish in color. It's ruby. It, it symbolizes devotion or a passionate love. What God wants is what we want. Did you hear me? What God wants is what we want. What does that sound like? He says, I didn't come to do my own will. I come to do what? My Father's will. Oh, God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, oh, I pray that it would. But it's not my will, but it's your will. As he's having a heart attack in the garden. You see how much these stones are intertwined with the Christian life, but also what we're celebrating today. In Chrysolite, is a representation of mercy. Somebody that is forgiven, that receives the mercy of God. If you, if you have received mercy, then therefore you should translate mercy. Mercy is not a symbol of weakness. It is a symbol of strength. I believe Deacon Stephen is a great example of mercy. Oh, Father, forgive them. As they're stoning him to death, and he looks up and sees the third heaven. Oh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did Jesus grant forgiveness to everybody at that point, if they asked or not? Nope. Mm -mm. Father, when they come to you asking, despite that they killed me, despite that they hung me here, Grant them mercy. Give them something that they do not deserve. You know what our lives represent? Acts of mercy over and over and over. But Chris, I'm tired of being run across. I'm tired of being tread upon. We continue. Our life represents mercy. Beryl is another one. It's patience. One of the, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is it not? As I was going through this, you know, one of the things in the last 10 weeks that I have prayed the most, I think, in all my prayers. I just thinking about the mercy of God, the goodness of God, but I've thought about the patience of God. How many of you have just said, God, thank you for being patient with me? How many of you have said, why in the world would you love me? Why in the world would you choose me? God, thank you for being patient 
with me. One of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, what? Long-suffering is patience. It's patience towards people. Patience towards your kids is something that God gives inside of us. And I want you to think about just because we have been forgiven, we're also to forgive. But you think about the patience of God towards you. He says, we need to have patience for other people. I get tried on this every single day. Topaz is goodness. Now, by the way, you should say this quickly, but we have no goodness. You're right. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. The only goodness that you and I have is for what we've received from the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because he placed our righteousness, but he also places goodness on us. So when God, if there's anything that's good that comes out of me, rest assured, it didn't come from me. Amen? Hello? You awake? Did it come from you? If you say a good gesture, you do a kind deed, and you did it with a pure heart, trust me, it didn't come from you. It came because of the goodness of God that was placed inside of you. And you're just translating that goodness to somebody else. All I am is here. I'm just a receiver and a giver. I'm a receiver and giver. And anytime you go, yeah, I did that. The tenth stone, Cairo praise. Cairo praise is self-control. It's a semi-transparent blue in color. It stands for a self-control to accomplish the kingdom. I thought about John the Baptist and his self-control. The Holy Spirit having self-control and teaching us self-control in our lives. That will continue to be obedient to the word of God. How about Jesus Christ? Is he standing on that mountain and Satan tempts him three different times? Self-control. The 11th thing is holiness. Purity. Purity that God requires a state of having no sin. Being without spot or blemish. We can have such a sincere pure heart to the extent that we act according to the word of God. That don't we desire purity purity, and holiness in our life? We sing about it. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, I desire to be holy. I desire to be separate. And one day we'll experience that complete holiness. But last is gentleness. Amethyst. The violet color is transparent. It's beautiful. It's a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of meekness. To everybody we come in contact with. The truth is, is I don't know who God has called. Somebody asked me this a couple weeks ago. They, says, they said, if God has already have the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life since the foundation of the world, then what are we here for? then why do we do what we do? Why give the gospel? Because Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and 9 that I don't know who that is and you don't know who that is. And he says to give the gospel. It's not your job. It's not my job. It's, we're here just to give the gospel and to show what? Gentleness and goodness and meekness and self-control. Does these all sound familiar? 
Galatians chapter 5. Every one of these stones has a meaning, meaning of exactly what we're celebrating today and who we have become because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Today, as we think about these things, we have so much to be thankful for. We're elated the fact that we, this does not describe the world and we're, we're just passing through this old world, but this should describe us as believers. Not that we have perfected it, but it should describe us. So this morning, the Bible talks about in Corinthians, Paul says, be careful before you, you entertain even the thought of coming to this table. He says, you need to make sure that in your heart that you have, that there's no, nothing inside of you that you're holding on to. Nothing inside of your heart that you're saying, I'm holding on to this gross sin. I'm holding on to this or these thoughts that there is unforgiveness in my life and I'm choosing not to make this right with this person. He said, don't come before this table this way today. Today we're going to take the juice and we're going to take a cup and it symbolizes the death, the burial and resurrection and the broken body and the blood that was shed for us. He says, but there is a proper way to come before this table. Make sure that everything in your heart and that you have a fellowship with God. And by the way, you have to have a fellowship with other people also to have a fellowship with God. Now, you could have been the one that says, look, I've tried to make this right. They're refusing. Guess what? You have fellowship. But make sure your heart is clear. That's what he's saying. I'm going to pray, and Pat's going to come and play. And we're going to have time to open up the altar. You're going to have time to say, God, if there's anything found inside of me, I want, you to, I want you to cleanse me of it. But also, I want you to think about today and say, everything that I am as a Christian, it is because of what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Find us online at Facebook and YouTube or join us online each week. For more of our online podcast, visit us at www.communitybaptistchurch.online backslash podcast.